0: Welcome back, everybody, to another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines. With me, as always, my co-pilot, co-host, Matt Keo. Matt, how we doing today? Good. Good. Matt's a man of many words over there. Uh, today's guest we have from Niagara-Wheatfield, their tennis coach, a good, close friend of mine going way back in the day, class of 98 representing from Niagara Falls High School. He works at uh, in the Wheatfield School District. Wheatfield coach, Mr. Rob Udy. Rob, welcome. It's great
1: to be here, Larry.
0: Awesome. I know we've been talking about coming, having you come on for a little bit now. Um, we had Mark on. I know you were supposed to come on with Mark, but you know things got a little hectic there, so we brought you on for your own segment. Um, and we're glad to have you.
1: Well, I'm glad to be here. In fact, this is only my third podcast I've ever been a part of, and two of them I've listened to yours, so...
0: See, there you go. Listen, we had to get the hat trick. I hope I just sound a little intelligent and not, you know. Hey, listen, if, <laughs> if, if we can sound smart, anybody can sound smart. Um, sounds like a
1: great plan. <laughs> I'm excited. Let's go.
0: In fact, class, let's talk smart. You you finished top, top 10, 98. What were you, ranked Seven, six, seven?
1: 6, uh, I think I was number 8. Number 8? Eight, yeah. I
0: was going to say. Smarter than me. I was only like number, I think it was... 23 24 I was outside outside the top 10
1: well funny thing about those numbers is if you looked at the actual decimal points that separated us from one all the way down, I was gonna say to guys it was very negligible it was very <laughs> close and the reason for that is we used everybody's homework we all took turns <laughs> we all checked our assignments with
0: each other it, and... it, has enough time passed where we could say that I don't really
1: <laughs> I love listening, it if you're listening teachers we had a great system, and we behaved and we, we did your life just fine, so we're good
0: we did we did um who was who was the history teacher uh I can't think of her her name tenth grade or eleventh grade Gor- gormley no
1: my memory doesn't go oh uh, back
0: we uh <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll keep this short and sweet. But the best, the funniest thing that I could remember in that class is when Sal Alexis hung up a Star Wars poster under the map that she pulled down every day.
1: Oh, you mean the photocopies that we also made? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was Mrs. Belkota. Sorry, Belkota. Belkota. That's right. We're sorry.
0: We we apologize. We apologize. Sometimes you know, seeing some of the stunts that my athletes uh, and, and kids will pull on me. All in good fun, of course. I'll think back, like, uh, like this is this is a little karma for uh, for those days in history class.
1: I've definitely experienced some karma being a fifth grade teacher. I'll tell you that.
0: So. I was going to say uh, you're you're at Wheatfield. What school? I forget which school you're at. Elementary. I'm at West Street School. Okay, I've been
1: teaching there for about eleven years now, so fifth grade.
0: Okay, because yeah. I know Matt, you're doing your observation hours with Megan, but that's at Colonial yeah. Village, right? Yep. Okay, I did a four year tour of duty over there too. So. I was going to say. It, it, is that how you met Megan, though, or did you know Megan before you started teaching there?
1: I met Megan when she transferred over from the high school to Colonial Village. Okay, and from there, I mean, she taught phys ed. I taught fifth grade, so our our kids mingled. And I was gonna say we we got, we got in, we're in sports together, so absolutely, we were able to uh, have a relationship for you know cross country. I did a little tour a duty with her for maybe, uh, half a, half a season. There. Wait, what? You coached cross country too? I, I, I did a little, I did a half a season, uh, when she, she had asked me to be an assistant coach for her. For how some, did I
0: not know this? How this long ago was that? I think it was maybe five or six years ago. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Did you, how, how'd you think? Cause that's, that's outside your wheelhouse. how do you, how do you get into that? Well, I guess not, I mean, you, you're a runner, but, you, um, and I know you've done some uh, some road races and stuff but you never really did it in high school college.
1: I did one year cross country in high school in 11th grade and I swore I'd never do it again. And did no. you really? Uh, I run about thirty miles a week now. <laughs> I was gonna say
0: I know you're like you and Matice, you and Chris Matice, who we've had on the show before too. He's uh, you guys are both like big into running.
1: I'm still faster than him, even though he's dropping all that
0: lately. Let me put this out. There. Ooh, a little challenge. Have you guys ever ever competed in the same ra- road races before? Or
1: we've done a couple road races. The last one that I remember, we did the St. Peter's 5K, and I got a, a PR in that one. I got a I think a 21 something.
0: And did did you beat him?
1: Of course, of course. But uh, now I see that we're connected on our Garmin app and I see him creeping up towards my
0: time. And, I'm not, and
1: I'm not really competing and he is. So
0: I'm a little worried about that. Uh Oh, now I know he's done some bigger. He's done some of the bigger marathons he's done. I think it was the New York City and was it was at Boston that he's done as well.
1: He's done so many races that I've lost count. Now, it's a- pretty crazy about that. I was going to say. I've run two half marathons, and both times I said I'd never
0: do one again. <laughs> so uh, so you you haven't done, like, any of the, the New York City, Boston, anything like that, though, have you?
1: No, the furthest marathon or half marathon I've done was the hospice one,
0: which is oh. down the street. I remember uh, Vicky, my wife, did the—actually, uh, I think it was the same one. That's the one by Luport, right? The, the Niagara Hospice or the— Yeah, Niag- it
1: starts at Art Park and runs along the lower river, and it ends at the Porter— yeah' Put her on the lake park there,
0: yeah she did that uh back when we first started dating, so probably about eight years, eight years ago
1: yeah we did uh that was the last one I did, and I was coaching with Megan at the time, and uh the kids were in charge of mile stops or um traffic at about mile two, and I remember running and I was just i don't know what happened it was pouring rain, and I was just. Caught up in the moment, and I looked at my watch at mile two, and the kids are cheering me. And I looked at my watch, and it said I was running an average of seven tens. And I was like, I can't keep this up for 15 miles. <laughs> but I ended up getting a PR by four minutes that race, and then I immediately froze and had one of those you As, know shocked feelings where you where you just <laughs> cramp up. Everything's like, Ugh. and I said, I'm not even sticking around for another <laughs> <I'm> one.
0: <going> <laughs> yeah, it was that was the that was the only uh, half marathon Vicky did. And, um, we had, like I said, we had just started dating and, uh, I was kind of running a little bit with her beforehand while she was training for it. And, um, I remember going there, I got there early. She was like, all right, you know, uh, I want you to come watch. So of, of course I went, I thought I got at the finish line. So I got there bright and early. Um, I got at the, or which I thought was early. I thought it was at the finish line. I thought the finish line was closer towards, like, Fort Niagara. Right. So I got there. I parked. I'm walking my car. I'm like, all right, this is great. I'm going to be here plenty of time where she crosses the finish line. And then I see one of the marker miles, and it's only, like, mile 7 or mile 8. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm in trouble. So I literally ran. I had walked maybe a mile from my car, ran back to my mile, or ran probably a mile back to my car, had to literally somebody was picking up cones because apparently they had already passed there, and I asked like, "Where's the finish line?" And they said it was Porter, uh, down by Porter. I had no idea where that was. Rob, you know me; I'm awful with directions, so I'm literally flying, putting in this that, um, barely or made it to the finish line, and all I could think of was, "Please let me be here in time. Please let me be here in time." Because if she crosses that finish line and I'm not here, I'm like dead. And thankfully, I think I got to the finish line and she she got there maybe, I don't know, five minutes after I got there. So I got there just in time. Um, sorry, Vicky, if you're still listening. But uh, so she, it was it was awesome. And, you know, it was a really it was a nice race when she did it. The weather it was because it was usually in the fall. I think it was like September, it's October. September. Yes. Um, And it was I don't know, it was probably like I'd say mid 70s. Um, sun shining, a little better than, than apparently the weather you had. But. Yeah,
1: 50 in rain, and then the way the, the, the course is described, it takes you from Lewiston to Youngstown, and as soon as you hit Fort Niagara, you think you're done, but you really have like four or five miles left. It's a little bit of
2: a tease.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, I, I thought you guys were done too, yeah,
2: and I so wasn't even I. running. And I had four miles to go, and I
0: was at that ridiculous pace, but...
1: Oh, uh, uh, that was the last one I've run. And I won't run another one until somebody pressures me into one.
0: I was going to say probably until somebody asks you to run and then uh, you'll be all good. But all right. So we're going to do our uh, coming in hot segment as we as we get into there Um Rob, we were talking before. Let's do a little coming in hot on airport layovers. Man. You were telling me you just uh, – I know i my last trip I did, we did Jamaica um, probably oh, – when did we do that? January. January time. December, January. And um, I had a nice – I thought my layover, layover was bad where I had a layover of I think like four hours I was laid over in Atlanta. Actually, Vicky, it was during the uh, the, the second Bills-Patriots game. And uh, Vicky, Sarah, and I went. Uh, we were all going to Jamaica. Sarah and Vicky took a uh, different flight. Vicky got me into an earlier flight so that I can get into Atlanta in time to watch the entire Patriots game. I had like a six-hour layover. Um, I thought that was long, but you had what, like a... Fourteen hour layover. It wasn't fourteen hours. It was a total of fourteen hours, which should have been
1: the actual travel time was maybe four hours in the air. But when you book flights from Reno, which is not the most glamorous airport of all, I was on a snow snowboarding trip in Lake Tahoe. Reno is the closest uh, airport. So flying to Buffalo out of that kind of area. You're kind of stuck at what Southwest gives you. and I'm I was going to say. And uh, I use Southwest because I have the credit card and use the points. So the flights didn't cost anything. But the only thing it cost me was about $200 in meals and this layover that was six hours between flights. And uh, if you know me, I do not like to fly. So <laughs> I was going to say. So lunches include double gin and tonics
0: <laughs> <laughs> and things of that sort. So oh, I'm telling you. I'm Vicky loves flying. I mean, Vicky a lot, she works remotely, but she'll, she does compliance. So there'll be times where she'll have to fly to Dallas. She'll have to fly to, I think one time, uh, she was located in, uh, in San Francisco, I think. So she would, before COVID, she would fly maybe, you know, every, every other month to Dallas, um, or every other month to San Francisco, depending on where she was, or she needed to go. So she, she's totally used to it. Me, I still get like, I'm on the plane. I'm like, you know, my hands shaking. She's got to like calm down. Like no, that sound. I've never heard that sound before on a plane. Nope, something's wrong.
1: Oh, I listen to the engine sounds too. <laughs> exactly. Wait, that changed. Is it stalling? Is it stalling?
0: <laughs> I remember one of my first flights. I was flying. Um, this was this was back probably 15 years ago. I was flying um, to an interview at a school in Virginia, and I was flying, and it was one of those planes where you had to go like on the tarmac no, and thanks. like and. No, thanks. I'm looking at it and I'm texting people. I think you you might have been one of the people I was texting. Like you, Mark, I'm texting I'm like, I'm gonna die. All I thought of when I was walking on this plane is I don't know if you remember the movie Major League, where they're on like that like broken down, busted Indian plane or whatever. I'm like, Oh my god, I'm I'm gonna die. I'm like and it's shaking the whole way I was flying So I'm like, I, I, I can't do that. Thankfully the interview was the next day so I could at least recoup in my air in my, uh, the hotel, but yeah, I'm. I'm not a fan, Matt. Any? Are, are you like a big, big fan of of no, airport travel? I'm not traveling at all? Um, any big layover stories though?
3: I don't. Um, big layover stories. It's not like I had a long layover, but I went to Disney for my school trip, and after like a week at Disney, like my body just like was sick. I was like visibly very sick. Like I think I had a fever. <laughs> And Ooh. I'm just standing there waiting for a plane. I have to go to school tomorrow because that was our school's policy. If you go on a trip, you have to go to school the following day.
0: Like, yeah, you know. but how did they know Oh, this was a school trip, no? Yeah. Man.
3: So like everybody who went on the trip had to go to school the next day. And our flight didn't come in until two thirty in the morning. And what? Yeah. And I asked my teacher, I was like, Can I really not like can I like not go to school tomorrow? I feel very sick. And he was like, No, nope, you gotta go. So I'm waiting there at the gate, visibly just like sick, and I fall asleep on the floor. And somebody had to like basically carry me to the gate, and I went and I went to school the next day. And as soon as I went to school, I was like, "I gotta go home." And they let me go home.
0: <laughs> what did they ever say? What the punishment would have been? If you like, what what would they have done?
3: I don't know. Like they made it sound that the, the punishment was very severe, but I don't know what the punishment was. But I just hate flying in general, so I think that was just the amount of stress in my body too. <laughs> I, I, Sounds about right. I, I hate flying. I hate being in close areas for a long period of time with people.
1: I'm a snowboarder who hates heights and flying. I was going to
0: say <laughs> about that. I've done skydiving and I I hate heights. Good thing you only went up and then you oh went down the other way. I uh, I did skydiving once just just because I wanted to do it and at one point like the guy it was cool going down but then the guys like all right you know you're going down and he's like wait over there and you know you're he shifts you way over there and he's like shifts back but like over there you can see Niagara Falls over there I'm like dude cut it out I'm going to throw up stop it let's just get down <laughs> <laughs> and it I don't think people realize like it takes you when the time you pull your chute and you're and you're falling it take it took us like a good 15 20 minutes to get down to the ground that's like gliding right you're gliding down after the chute yeah like after that. the chute's open um, no, I think the free fall itself was. I think it was, the free fall itself was maybe like fifteen, twenty seconds of free fall. My hands are sweating as you speak about. Oh this, my so god, I was. <laughs> let's keep this quick. <laughs> <laughs> but you're just like gliding down, and at after about five minutes, you're like, okay, I, I, I just want to get to the ground. I just, I just, please get me to the ground. Please get me to the ground now.
3: Did like the restraints hurt? Were they like really tight? On you.
0: I think at that point I didn't feel anything. I was having like outer body experiences. I was just like, okay, this just I I I I gotta go. Like please, is there like an ex well, I guess I shouldn't say is there an express route? Because I guess there is yeah, an, there express, is an route, express route. But <laughs> I wasn't taking that. That's without your shoot. Yeah. <laughs> just going tandem, man. All right, but let's get our feet back on the ground and let's talk some tennis. Nice so transition, by the way. I was gonna say, I've been working on my transitions. They're oh, getting they're getting pretty I've been in my head. Maybe sort of, they've been getting better. He
3: rehearses them in the
0: shower. <laughs> hey, that's working on him, though. Instead of pe- some people sing in the shower, I transition in the shower.
2: Okay. No. <laughs> all
0: right. That sounded really bad. We'll have to mark this down to get edited. But uh, so, Rob, um, tennis. First of all, what got you into tennis? I know you played high school, you played college, uh, USTA. Like, what? what got you into tennis in the first place?
1: I think the most easy way to say it was. The neighborhood kids that got me into tennis uh, where I grew up. The neighborhood had probably the biggest amount of kids my age, our age. And um, the first experience with tennis was playing in the street. We draw a line with chalk, had some old Pancho Gonzalez, wooden <laughs> rackets, <laughs> hit the ball back and forth. And then we graduated on to, uh, we discovered a wall at Nag University. And when okay. we were slightly old enough, we were able to ride our bikes on up there and uh find tennis balls in the in the bushes you know use tennis balls we didn't have much money back then so we'd go bang up against the wall and that's how we learned and um from there it transitioned to as you mentioned in mark's podcast uh playing little mini tournaments up at hyde park and uh the rivalry between mark and i i was gonna say it's a it's a a big one and we could get into that probably and talk a whole long uh, long time about that but uh that's that's the genesis of the tennis career right there. Just playing in the street, no formal lessons or
0: anything, just playing with the neighborhood kids. Nice. Now was it I'm guessing like you, Stan, Villardo, those guys, or, or no it wasn't different, even different that. crew. It was uh
1: the Williams girls, Kristen.
0: Oh, okay. And, yes, yeah. yes,
1: yes. Yeah, we uh they had the rackets and I had the interest, so
0: we just went out, drew a chalk line, looked out for cars and we played. <laughs> Sweet. That's awesome. Yeah, the tennis tournaments, it was always there'd be like, I don't know, six, seven, maybe eight of us. And it was always like, all right, once you knew, once you got to, once you met either Rob or Mark in the draw, like, all right, let me, let me just get to where I can get to Mark or let me get to where I can get to Rob. Cause you know, you knew those two were going to meet in the finals unless somebody had like a ridiculously great game. Um, I, I was happy to beat Meach and, uh, and, and Tyson, and Ronnie, um, I, I'm trying to think of who else would show up for those tournaments. I know uh, Rizzuto, Laura Rizzuto, used to show up for for a few. Yeah, she was like a celebrity man, celebrity Gold guest.
1: used to come. AJ Thomas used to come. I remember. Oh, Mary Ingham used to play. I remember some of the girls. Did Mary home, like used that. to play? Oh yeah, they all lived around Hyde Park and they all showed up. But well, we all seem to have our own different games. You know, you were the scrappy one who ran down every.
0: Ball. I could run down everything. I couldn't really. I did. I wasn't it, accurate, but I, the I coach. I
1: mean, now would critique your technique and probably. <laughs> Put a master class on you on know, what not to do, and what <laughs> not to say. look like, but how to hustle, and um, Mark just was blessed with some technical well he, he watched he watched a lot of tennis, yeah, and so did I, and that's probably how we learned the most and um, he just had just the consistency, he had the drive to win, and it drove me nuts because I was
0: almost at his level, but not quite. I was going to say you guys definitely battled back and forth now watching did, watching tennis, did you have a favorite player watching growing up?
1: Yeah, I, I liked Andre too. I know Mark lo- Mark idolized Andre, but I liked uh I liked a little bit of everything. I liked um uh, Pete Sampras. I liked him for the serve. I could never volley like him, but uh you know, and then on the women's side Steffi Graf was always winning all the tournaments. And I, I, my favorite part of tennis w- growing up was just watching the trophy ceremonies. Like, yeah, that would be great to win one one day. Oh, absolutely. In the kind of
0: mark, and I thought that that would never. Happen. <laughs> you did have a longer, and and you still play like in in big competitive tournaments. So you did have definitely a longer career. Um, and I'd say overall, I'd say if you look at it, I'd say probably a more successful career than Mark. Sorry, Mark. I would smoke him right now. Just <laughs> put that right there. I would
1: smoke him right now.
0: I was gonna say I don't I I don't know when the last time he's played, but. Um, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Next summer, we got to get together uh, and, and do like a little, a little tournament, an old timers tournament.
1: Yeah, the last time we played was in college. He played that one year before he went off to UVA, and I just walked on the team just to, you know, see if I can stick on the team. And I didn't play many matches. I was ineligible for half the year just because I was a late, late comer to the team. But uh, I played all four years at Canisius, Mark
0: probably stopped playing at that point i was gonna say i don't think I, I i don't think he played much competitive after that
1: right and and i still think that even after my four years at canisius mark would still beat me but there was this like light switch that went off it i think i was 30 years old and i was playing this tournament against some person that was not as good as me <laughs> and i was why am i losing i can do so many things why am i not playing my game and then this light switch went off and I just took it to, took my game to another level and I was competing more with USTA and I got to play in a lot of tournaments. And if Mark was to cross my path right now, <laughs> uh, we'd we'd have
0: some a lot of different results, I would say. I'm telling friendly you. but different. Oh, absolutely. I'm telling you, I I, I can't wait. That we, we we gotta get that that together this uh this summer. Do they even still have the old uh, courts at High Park? Are they still as as dingy as they were back then?
1: They do, but now that I have a lot of experience being on different courts, you realize that those courts are su- so super flawed. They're actually crowned. The ones in front of the pavilion are crowned. Are they really? You know what? I never really... So if you're playing at the baseline, it's almost like you're the net's six inches higher than it should be, and you're wondering why you're hitting the net on your serve every time. And then the ones on the opposite side, the set of four, the service boxes aren't... Uh, created a spec they're shorter by six inches so if Ooh. you're wondering why your serve is going
0: long a little bit that's why so that's why my serve was always going no that was yeah, not your why serve my... was going in so <laughs> slow you had no chance to go long. <laughs> i had no serve at any time i tried to put any kind of heat on my serve i had no accuracy whatsoever whatsoever but um yeah i remember i i think it was you or mark or maybe both of you guys would say i served like an 80 year old man accurate <laughs> very accurate. accurate but no 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 speed no velocity
1: i said the comment was accurate i don't know about the serve but the comment
0: was <laughs> <laughs> um so now uh as you you like by the time you you finished canisius you were playing you were you were getting quality match time were you not
1: yeah so what's nice about this area it's Filled with all kinds of tennis opportunity for anybody. And especially if you are just graduating from high school or college, there's the USTA, which has a whole different multitude of leagues you could play in. There's an 18 and over league in the summer. There's um, a tri-level league in the fall, which has different ability levels on one team. Uh, There's mixed doubles in what's currently going on right now, which is, you know, the winter months and, It's nice because you can play regionally, and then regionally you can advance to the sectionals, and our country has 16 sections. So if you advance out of the region, the Buffalo region, you go on to play downstate against the New York City and New Jersey teams, and then if you win that, you go to the nationals, which is a pretty cool stage to get to.
0: And I was going to say, you got to that stage, was it the year before COVID hit? You got to that national stage?
1: Yeah, I got lucky for that. So the way the USTA works, you are rated on a rating scale. So you don't have to play Rafael Nadal. So it's on a scale between zero and seven. And the pros are all sixes and sevens that make their money. And uh, my rating was a 4.5 for the longest time. And I wasn't winning any matches. I mean, it's a high level to be. Usually it's the upper echelon high school kids, lower level college level player, that's a 4.5. It's a level that if you want to play at that level, you have to do work or you're going to lose a lot of matches. So uh, I was having fun, but I wasn't winning. I had shoulder surgery, and I definitely wasn't winning after that. So I made up my mind, I'm going to tank a year. I'm going to get relegated down to 4.0, have more fun. So I did that, and the year-end ratings came out, and I was still a 4.5. (laughs)
0: <laughs> like, what am I e- going to do here?
1: What do I have to do? I have to have my short rotator so, cuff operated. Even on.
0: even after tanking, you still dr- got. They still wouldn't drop you down. I took six months off, did medical
1: appeals, and they said, as long as you're not permanently disabled, you are still going to be a four point five. Just because the ratings are based on computers, so yeah. you play somebody else, their rating and your rating combined, and then they put you up a decimal point, down a decimal point. It's 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 a really complicated system. So I said, okay, well. I guess I'm going to have to work really hard to stay at this 4.5 level, level and enjoy and play and maybe even win some matches. So the next year I put a lot of work in. I built a court at my house, as you know. Uh, a lot of YouTube <laughs> videos, it. a lot of YouTube videos, but it came out nice. So I'm training more. I'm doing more targeted training. I'm enlisting friends to help me out, playing the season, win, actually win, winning some matches. I'm excited. you know, I won two matches that summer out of eight. And that was good for me the year-end ratings come out, I got relegated. And I was <laughs> mad because I, <laughs> I Are you wouldn't kidding? work. I didn't want to tank. I got sent down to 4.0, and I went down with a chip on my shoulder. <laughs> I was so mad. I was like, how dare you? I worked so hard. I played so hard. I lost all those matches, and I still stayed up. And now that I'm winning, you're going to send me down? <laughs> I was mad. But what happened was my phone started to ring. And people were starting to say, hey, let's get him on our 4.0 team. This guy's going to do some damage. It also happened around my 39th birthday, which made me eligible for the 40 and over league. Okay. So I got the phone call, and the captain calls me and says, how would you like to play? We're looking to make a team good enough to go to nationals. I said, I'm in. Let's go. So having that chip on my shoulder, I swept through that Buffalo League, didn't drop a match. Went to um, Schenectady for the regionals to play all the New York City area teams. And I thought, eh, this is where it'll end. Blew up all those teams except for one. I lost one match. So out of five, I lost just the one. And the reason I lost that match was maybe because I stayed up a little late. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was playing two singles matches a day. That's not easy for a almost Two a day. Wow. Person. Yeah. So I shook that match off, and two hours later, blew out another guy, and then we won as a team. Uh, we clinched it, and we got to go to Surprise Arizona to play in the Nationals, which was out of this world. You I mean, you go to this place, and you see all the best players at that level, and you think at the National level you don't have a chance. I won all four of my singles matches there. Really? <laughs> yeah, I was I was completely surprised. One, because it was 100 degrees in Arizona, I was and I say, was training yeah, it's be in hot. Buffalo at 55 in October. And my match, I had to play two matches a day. So in a 30-hour span, I played four singles matches at the last one. In 100-degree temperature? Oh, yeah. Oh. You're, my black, I was wearing black. That was smart too, right? I was going to say. <laughs> uh, you see the, the sweat marks around your hat, and you realize you're not sweating anymore, so you know you're dehydrated. Like, uh-oh. And then when you go to sit in the camping chair to relax after that fourth victory, and you realize you can't stand back up because your quads are cramping. <laughs> Pickle juice. That's how you get out over it. Pickle juice.
0: Pickle juice, and I've I've done pickle juice when I've cramped before when I was still playing soccer, and either that or pedialyte. Yeah, I'll I'll grab the pedialyte.
1: Yeah, but what's nice about it? Our Buffalo team came in eighth in the country out of sixteen. That was pretty good.
0: That's awesome. So it was pretty fun. Now, what consists of like at the USTA level? What consists of a, a tennis team? Is it like doubles, singles, all together, or like how to, explain how a tennis team gets set up?
1: Well, it's recently changed. So uh, at this point where we were traveling for this uh, national team, we had two singles players and three doubles teams. So out of five points, the matches were out of. Okay. And,
0: and you uh, were one of the singles players, correct? Yep.
1: I played singles, and um, <laughs> you really counted on a lot. So we rolled up with 11 players, a couple of backups. The teams that actually advanced and did really well showed up with, like, 25 players. So they only hit a oh, wow. one match. And here I'm struggling through four. And these guys are just playing one. So they're staying fresh <laughs> and rotating troops. And it's a, it's a different game when you get up to the other level because sometimes people are misrated. They'll come out of the woodwork, not in the system, and then they say, oh, yeah, I play at this level. I'm like, mm, maybe not. You're a little <laughs> bit better than that. Because there is a marked difference between a 4.0, 4.5.
0: I was going to say, I could see, especially at that level, like i could see like like you said when when you get to the 6 and 7s um i mean it, this is just me thinking but at, at that you're pretty much the pro level so maybe the, the the margin the margin of play isn't as noticeable but i could see with you know a 4 beating a 5 or a 5 meeting a, a
1: 4.5 in in very limited circumstances would a 4 ever beat a 5 it would have to be their very, very best day. But if you want to think about it as like a high school progression, you see a lot of 2.0s. 3.5 might be a, a good singles player in high school, but the ones that are advancing on to sectionals are 4.0, 4.5. Okay. And the sectional winner uh, for the last year from Erie County, I played him in a set. We're in the same rating level, but he's a little bit better than me. He plays six days a week. And I took a set off them, and I was really happy so <laughs> so that's the level that you're seeing and then, if you move on to i'd say six and seven, those are the ones that are making money five you might make money at a local tournament, but you're not it's not your full time job if yeah. you're five point oh
0: you you're you're still like a yeah. a teacher or a night worker or something yeah, and
1: if you're five point zero five five you're a dominant division one player, even up to six and sevens you you see them graduate right to the pro ranks too. That's awesome. But me, if you look at me, you say, "Oh, you're a really good player." I would dominate you, right? But me looking up, know that someone's gonna dominate me. So I'm stuck in the middle somewhere. That's, yeah, that's my level. I
0: will say, kind of in like in that no man's land, ever or where where you're 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 great enough for you know the 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 good players, but you're not there for the the great players yet. Yeah,
1: a recreational player will look at me and think I'm a pro. Yeah, where I have no no business being on the court with a pro. The difference between a pro and me is we have the same ability shot-wise, but stamina, endurance, strength, strategy, coaching, that's the difference between a me and somebody who would make any money.
0: Yeah, and like you said, those are, you know, when you get to your sixes and sevens, that's that's their career. That's their job. That's it. They're not, you know, they're they're training, they're in the gym. When they're not in the gym, they're on the court. You know, when they're not in the court, they're watching game film. that That's, that's their job.
1: And it's funny, with pro tennis, it's so odd that you're top 100 in the world are pretty much the only ones that can sustain themselves comfortably with a nice lifestyle. Whereas you see the top 100 football players, oh, my God, they're making trillions of dollars, you know? Yeah. So if you're not in that top 100, that's a low percentage of, number one, humans, let alone the tennis population. So I know I have no aspirations of ever making money. (laughs) I'll be happy if I make $100 at a local tournament. But, yeah, that's the difference between the levels that you see.
0: Now, do you— do you know or do you remember like what's the uh, uh, what was the highest level player like? Did you play anybody who was a five or a five point oh, five point five, or like what was the highest level player that you that you that you can remember coming across?
1: Uh, I've come across a couple fives.
0: Okay, and was this like early on in your career, later in your career? Uh, maybe th-
1: three years ago, I played in a doubles tournament, a, a mixed doubles against a five point oh, and it was just like. I can go toe to toe with you for about three minutes, but I know that you're going to come out with a massive bomb and just destroy me. <laughs> but I can hang with you. I can hang with you and not look foolish. But I'm not winning this match. Yeah, is what, is what it looks like.
0: That's awesome. Um, now, of course, you're 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 coaching at Wheatfield. Yep. Um, now, for me, like, and and my wife Vicky's asked this question a few times, like. Uh, I mean, I've coached. I I actually coached tennis one year at Park School, but I've coached tennis, uh, soccer. You've coached everything. I basketball, swimming, and diving. Um, even even just as a phys ed teacher, when you see a kid come on the basketball court, when I, I soccer is my big sport, when I see a kid just within five minutes of dribbling a soccer ball, I know, all right, that kid's got it, or that kid mm, might need a little work. Um, what's the big thing, like, even as a coach? Is it the same way in tennis where within like maybe, you know, one game or or a few ground strokes you can just see wow that, that kid's got it?
1: Yeah, and there's different levels of got it too. There's at the high school level we just want kids to be able to come out, have fun and function on the court. So um it's a little bit different between the girls team in Niagara Wheatfield, which I coach with Kristen Janice. She's an excellent coach by the way. And uh with the boys I coach with Dan Kroleski. Um, the boys more of a different recruitment track, um, a different recruiting tactic that we have to have. We just have to poach from other sports teams. We take all the cut athletes. We're like the
0: island of misfit toys over there. We just want to, <laughs> <laughs> So um, if they don't make the baseball team or if they don't make the track team, they, they right. come over to and, tennis.
1: And we tend to not to see actual tennis players on the boys' side. It, those days have passed us, uh, unfortunately. But what we like to do is we like to find the tall soccer players, the volleyball players because they already have basic athletic skills that lend themselves to tennis. We find our greatest uh, success with soccer players. Really? Yeah, we 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 pick a couple seniors that want a red letter so they uh want another sport to add to their repertoire and thing. All right. Let's give you a couple tutorials. Here's how to we're going to teach you just how to hit the ball straight because we know you can get to the ball. If you can hit the ball straight, you can volley at the net, you're a doubles player, you're going to start, and you might win a bunch of matches for us. And that's happened for us a couple times. Okay. Our, Ross, my, our haircutter Ross, Strangio, we had his son out there. He was a great addition. He brought four soccer players out, and they were a difference in our one of our seasons. They that's awesome. Wins
0: for us. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what would you say is... Uh, I guess if you're like, it's funny that you say soccer players. Like, what would you say? I guess is the biggest. Um, if you're looking for an athlete, especially somebody who hasn't played tennis who's very raw, what would you say? Like the best uh, attribute to have for like a new raw tennis player?
1: You need the hand-eye coordination. Okay, that is bar none the most important thing. If you can't make contact with the ball with a racket that's extended twenty-seven inches out of your hand, you're not gonna you're not gonna be successful. So if we can get the contact point flat out in front of you and direct the ball you don't have to have too much to be successful at uh as a doubles player in high school tennis i mean we've seen it look at the teams we rolled with we just pulled, <laughs> <laughs> pulled all our friends together give them a couple tutorials i mean we didn't have the coaching did we no no we just had our friends hey do this hold the racket this way hit the ball that
0: way and don't miss but we had we had it was pretty much us coaching ourselves or you guys you and mark and um uh Oh, I can't think if he was a year older than us, two years older than us. He was the he would have been first singles. He always he always edged out Mark. Um, uh, Jared May was a no. Singles. Jared May was a year younger than Jason us. So. Harshman, yeah, yes, yeah. I always forget his name. Yeah, it was pretty much you, you Harshman, Mark, uh, May coaching us. I remember the only time, the only season, and this was for maybe I don't know a month, is when uh, Jared and Jordan's dad came out to the courts. He wasn't our coach, but he would right. pretty much just uh just coach us up well we Um, needed that we had the
1: athletes we just had no strategy or no
0: no actual tennis knowledge and that little bit of coaching
1: helped us out we had a really great year that year
0: yeah it was a lot of fun no our coaching or at least my my strategy was just get the ball in play just 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 get it in play
1: if you live to see another shot that's the name of the game just put it over and make them miss that's it that's
0: all it was i was one to miss i was the uh the second doubles i know um you, you, Jared, um, you, Jared, Mark, and uh, Harshman. You guys were all fighting for singles, top singles. I know uh, Jordan was usually number one.
1: I never got to play with Jordan. I only played the last two years, junior and senior year. Oh, you never played with? Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, I, I, for some reason, I never.
0: I didn't try out for any sports in my junior year. It must have been a confidence issue. I don't know what it was. I was going to but... say. We definitely could have used you more f- for soccer than just the senior year. Um, and I've mentioned this story before and we set it off. Uh, this, the story, Matt, remember the story that I always say where uh, we had a scrimmage game, inter-squad scrimmage. Um, I took a shot on a goaltender and hit him in the mouth. Yeah, that was me. And yeah, that, that, that's Rob. You're, you're looking at the goaltender. And I, to this day, I still just vividly see that ball hitting your face and just the amount of blood. That just like shot out of your jaw. I felt horrible afterwards.
1: It's all good. I forgive you.
0: <laughs> and then I think it was, was it, I know, was it late? It was later that season though, that we were inside for tennis in the spring and i somebody clocked Mark in the eye with a nope, tennis ball. That was me. I got hit in the eye. <laughs> you got hit. In the, oh, did you get hit in the eye by with by Mark's shot then?
1: I don't know, but I was always getting injured for some reason. <laughs>
0: But yeah, Even to this day, like every so often, you'll be like, you broke my wrist again, broke my shoulder again, whether it's a softball injury, I've a tennis for 10 injury. Years. I've been clean for 10 years.
1: Clean has, has it been? Free.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. I love it. I take care it. of myself in my old age over here. You have to. Injuries in your 20s heal up. Injuries in your 40s, uh, they linger. Yeah. This is this is what you get to look forward to, Matt. I already have injuries that linger. Yeah, you have injuries. You're, you're what, 24, 25, 23? Oh, you'll bounce back. No, no question. Your injuries, your broken bones take you, like, you know, a couple of weeks to heal. Ours, oof. We're, st- we'll, we're starting to feel injuries from back in our 20s that, like, hurt. Especially when it rains. Mm-hmm. My right shoulder still kills from breaking it back in soccer uh, soccer practice. Um, so how's the... Uh, How's the outlook for tennis as a, as a whole overall in high school? Is it growing? Is it starting to show signs of of sinking a little bit? Is it pretty steady? Um like what's the what's the the youth tennis outlook like?
1: It depends on how you look at it. There's if I speak about the NFL, the Niagara Frontier League from the time we played, there was a lot of teams, a lot of players, and there was never any doubt that there'd be a team of 15 to 20 kids rolling up for any given match but what i see this year and maybe in the last trend for the last six or seven years coaching is some of the schools that are big like kenmore east kenmore west are barely fielding teams and if they're barely fielding teams the quality is not there because they are just plucking from anywhere hey you have a friend who has some sneakers they can come out here we have some gym rackets for you can play with these and the quality for the Niagara Frontier League has gone down so much from the time we were players it's almost a little bit depressing since uh, I've been around it since you know in high school and some of the coaches are the same coaches that coached against me Oh geez. and I hear the stories from them it's it's a little depressing we had uh, a really great player in the Niagara Frontier League uh, His name was Greg Hastings. He's from NT, right around the corner from here. And he's really been it. And it blows my mind that he even bothered to play because he'd win every match 6-0, 6-0, and then cruise to the state tournament for the last four years. And um, he did it just because he had friends on the team, and that's the way to go. I mean, I admire a player like that who is above and beyond the competition level that will still compete, represent their school, have the camaraderie of being with a team. Because tennis is an isolation sport. You're by yourself. Yeah. It's one of the only sports besides golf that it's you against, well, golf, you're you against the the hole there. And uh, tennis, you against the person on the other side of the court. Yeah. So the team aspect of it, it's very beneficial, I think. And it's sad to see that this, the size of the teams have gone down so much in the recent years.
0: Um, in your opinion, what do you think is like is attributing a to that? Is it just... Uh, Kids getting involved in other sports, um, high schools having other, like bringing in other programs, just lack of general interest. What do you kind of attribute it to that?
1: There's a combination of it. Sure, there's um, a lot of opportunities for a lot of different sports. You see a lot less specialty tennis players, especially in the Niagara Frontier League. And one of the reasons for that is a lack of opportunity for indoor tennis. I know we've talked about Sportsplex going soccer only recently. And uh, I remember going to play little tournaments in the winter at Sportsplex. I mean, any opportunity to play indoors, it was relatively inexpensive. It was a bit of a dump, but it was an indoor place where you can play. Um, The Niagara County kids don't have that space that's so close to them. They'd have to go to uh, the clubs in Erie County, the Miller Tennis Center, um, Village Glen, Southtown Tennis Center. Those are really great clubs, but unfortunately with that, comes money. And that's barrier number two. Uh, Tennis is not a cheap sport. I mean, we learned on the cheap. We had the drive. We had the athleticism. We had the self-coaching, which only took us so far. But if you want to become a good tennis player, you have to spend a little money. You have to spend a little on the equipment. The indoor costs can mount up. I mean, if you want to take a private lesson indoors in the wintertime, you're looking at 80 bucks an hour plus. If you want a better coach, you're looking at 100 Wow. So if you want, the best way to go is to get in a group and get in the clinics. But the, the instruction isn't as good. I mean, you can't instruct a whole yeah. court full of people with isolated skills. You're not getting and that one-on-one. Down one-on-one. I mean, yeah. if you want it, you have to pay for it, which is sad. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, sometimes it's a haves and haves-nots type sport. And then some people like me will crack through and excel. I mean... It's really no rhyme or reason why that happens, but unfortunately, the money, a lot of opportunities from different sports, and the lack of indoor facilities in Niagara County has kind of hurt the
0: Niagara Frontier League a little bit. Very true, and I know even with uh, the higher quality tennis rackets, like is now that's one thing I've always uh, as a, as a higher level player for you, do you notice uh, there being a big difference like playing with a I don't know say like a two three hundred dollar racket as opposed to like you know just a general racket, like is there, especially playing in those big tournaments that you play in, is there a noticeable difference?
1: Yeah, not only is there a noticeable difference in the equipment, and I've become a bit of a racket snob, I'll play with one of the kids' rackets, I'm like, oh, how do you even hit the ball over the net with that? But the technology on the rackets this day and age is so elite. I mean, the things that they can do with a racket these days, the lightness of it, the composition of it. But not only that, I've since become a string snob too. The strings there are so many different kinds of strings that you can use, and the tensions and you know. I
0: say you have your own, like you string your own rackets. Don't I you? string
1: my rackets. I string the players for our, for our team. I custom color them just to make it fun. If you want rainbow <laughs> strings, I got them. You know, but the strings make so much of a difference these days. I'll play three or four matches, and I'll cut the strings out and then put them back in a new set really just to have the freshness of them just to have the pristine feel there's nothing better than hitting a freshly strung racket
0: now are there are there different types of strings like is it like one's more for like a backhand one's more for like a uh, a forehand one's it, more for like a drop shots
1: no it's more for um different types of spins so the thinner the string the more spin you get okay um the more tension you have the more control loosen it up you have more power you know like a trampoline effect Okay. So there's different. There's natural gut that has all kinds of playability with it. I use a very hard, rigid polyester string, which doesn't generate power. I just use my skill for that, but it generates a ton of spin, and a lot of the pros use it. But the side effect of polyester strings is arm injuries. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. If you don't if if you don't uh, take care of yourself and you use polyester strings, you you might suffer a little bit of an arm injury. They say to string it ten percent less tension than you would a regular string
0: so you can you can notice like i'm guessing like you're like talking like wrist forearm type of deal yeah, or all
1: the wrists the forearms the shoulders they take a beating with regular tennis playing if you're training for hours at a day you just have to know your body no one to quit no one to ice but you know when you're not really professional <laughs> like us you don't like to ice you don't like to stretch you don't like to do that stuff but luckily i've avoided it but when I do have arm injuries, I'll swap out the strings to a softer material.
0: And that'll that'll do oh, like yeah. less less wear and tear on the absolutely, arms? Absolutely, absolutely. Now does that does that affect like um I, I shouldn't say affect, but does that um alter the way that you have to play a match? Yeah, definitely.
1: When I play with a polyester I feel unstoppable. The spin is just the ball's coming at you at like three feet and you're at the baseline, you think the ball's gonna go out and then it drops like a ton of bricks. That's the spin that you want with the polyester strings, and you don't get that. You get more of like a elasticy feel with the synthetic strings. So, I mean, different people have different taste. I like the polyester. I like it.
0: Now, one thing: uh, the different courts. Have you, uh, there's there's grass, clay, the hard court. Yes. And am I forgetting one, or is it only those three?
1: Yeah, there's there's like, like a carpet.
0: The okay, it's
1: a carpet that behaves like a hard court slash um, clay court. You can put sand in the carpet, like the old astroturf. They have okay that. Those are interesting.
0: What's your What's your favorite uh, favorite surface to play on?
1: Uh, I'm pretty partial to the hard court, but as you get older, the clay courts are much better for your body. They give on your joints. Okay, and it slows the ball down. When it hits the, the dirt of the clay, it actually slows the ball down. So really it's t- it's it's tough to hit an outright winner on somebody on a clay court just because there's
0: extra time for you to get the ball back. I was gonna say I could see that on I could see that on a grass court too. Like is does grass kind of slow it down no, or
1: grass is the fastest. So is it, it really? So when it hits the grass, it stays low. The ball just hits and stays low, so you have to be on top of it or the ball's past you. Oh, okay. So that's why they say the French Open is one of the toughest tournaments. You have to be so physically fit because you can be out there blasting away and making no headway on your opponent <laughs> because they have all the time in the world because it's a fraction of a second slower, you
0: know what I mean? Yeah. And that fraction of a second makes a big difference. Oh, that's that's crazy. Um, so th- have you played on on every surface or I I, I guess the big three, like grass, clay, uh, hard?
1: Yeah, i played on just about every surface, so... I think the most comfortable is the one that's I'm um, most experienced on, and that's just a regular old hard court
0: um i'm guess i mean this might be a silly question, but I'm guessing the uh the national uh the court where you played for the national tournament I'm guessing that's the biggest biggest court um that you played on
1: yeah it was uh, not that it was like a big stadium like court there it was just like a USTA tournament facility where if you go to the US Open and those big tournaments, they have like satellite courts all around. They have one stadium court. And um the ones in Arizona were actually a little bit slower hard courts. They put sand a lot of like the ratio of sand in the paint slows the ball down so it grips a little bit more. You can feel your shoes melting because it's the friction the, and the heat of the hard court. But yeah, so even even hard courts have different kind of variations to it
0: based on the amount of sand in the paint. I was going to say, at 100 degree weather, I'm sure a lot of stuff was melting. That's correct. <laughs> uh, now you did play Kanishas. What would what would you say was your biggest um, as a player? Just the biggest transition from playing from high school level tennis to college level tennis. Like, what would what would you say? I guess just, just the biggest transition or the biggest uh, learning curve that you had to make.
1: The biggest learning curve is that in college, everybody's good. <laughs> You're not going to get a free match in college. Um, you know, you play in high school and you have a decent level of of success, and then you transition to college and you find that you're the low man on the totem pole. You find that you're scratching and clawing just to get in the lineup. And when you get in the lineup, you're getting beat. I remember the first year I played, I didn't win a match. Yeah, it took to my second year to finally win one, and it was a tough one. But I think the experience of playing with those great players was probably the biggest influence on my. You know, becoming a better tennis player, playing mark. You don't you don't get better by be- beating up on people that are no are lesser than you. You it took me so long to figure this out though. You don't lose a match, you learn from the match. Oh it took okay. so long to figure that out. If you're if you're losing, you better use the time to learn something of what you should do next time. And retroactively looking back at twenty years ago le- losing to mark, yeah, I should have consistently went to his backhand, even though my strongest (laughs) shot was being left-handed going the other way. I was too stubborn to do it. And I know he mentioned on the podcast that I would do it to him all the time. I'd serve to his backhand, but did I continue it? No, because I was stubborn. (laughs) But playing playing higher level people, talking to different levels, talking to different coaches, you tend to learn a little bit more strategy-wise. I mean, you always have it physically. But until you have a strategy and until you learn from your mistakes, you're not going to be successful. So that's the biggest difference from high school to college, learning from your mistakes and
0: actually applying them in the next match that you play. Now for college tennis, did they have, was it um, more of like you were just playing against a school or did they have like like in track meets we'd have like big uh, invites, invitationals? Like was it, was it did college have like those big where it was – like four, five, six, ten, twelve, whatever different schools, or was it always just all right, we're going to play Niagara, we're going to play Mercyhurst or whoever?
1: The way uh the tennis season was um scheduled back in what was it, ninety-nine to oh uh, two, um you've played mostly within your conference. So for us it was the max schools. And then we would sprinkle in some D three schools to get some, you know, confidence building. <laughs> <laughs> we still lost some of those. Um <laughs> Uh, so most of the regular season was Mac schools and friendly, so to, so to speak, just the schedule fillers. And then at the end of the year you played in the Mac tournament, the winner of the Mac tournament went to the NCAA tournament. Okay.
0: So it was
2: an automatic bid then.
1: Right. So our freshman year we played as, it was different. Um, when Mark played like all the first singles players of all the schools in the Mac played against each other, all the second singles players in the Mac played each other. Okay. But as um, sophomore through senior year, as a whole team, you played as a team just like a high school team would play. Okay. The only difference is you rolled with six singles players, and the seventh point was a combination of all three doubles matches. So you would have six singles, three doubles matches, and you can play both singles and doubles. The doubles matches were really? worth a third of a point. So if you won two out of the three doubles match, that was worth one match point.
0: So all matches were out of seven. Okay. Um, How uh, did you did ever win the Mac tournament at all?
1: Oh no, no, (laughs) (laughs) no. Schools like Kanishas, what we were, we were a bunch of. It's almost like a similar situation in high school. There weren't any major scholarships dedicated to tennis. Our number one player. Came from Croatia, happened to be a ranked junior there. He was just Lottie. here for MIS, you know. And he was like, "Oh, you play tennis and you play tennis well. How about you be our number one tennis player?" Our number two was a local kid who went to UVA, um, not UVA. That was Mark uh, West Virginia. Uh, he was one of their six singles players, but he's like, "Yeah, this is not for me. I am coming back to Buffalo." He was our number two, so a real good Division one tennis player, number two, and then we filled out the rest of the roster with local guys like me. And uh, we were like in eighth place out of 10. One year we came in 10th out of 10. Uh, <laughs> but we sure had fun traveling and road trips and meal money and some free perks for uniforms and gear and things like that. It made it worth it.
0: Nice. I was going to say, Matt, Matt's a fellow uh, Canisius, Canisius, uh student over here too, finishing up. Um, and
1: I don't know if I should admit this on this podcast, but I also played an ineligible match the year after I graduated. <laughs> Really? How? Wh- what?
0: How did that happen?
1: So the situation was there was a match. I was teaching already. I was teaching in Niagara Falls, and we were on spring break. The teams were on spring break, but they had a match scheduled, and they only had four players, and you needed five to play. <laughs> so I got a call from one of the one of the players from years past, and he said, "How close are you? Or how quick can you get to St. Francis?" I'm like, uh, "I can leave now." <laughs> So I got in my car, drove down to St. Francis, met him in the parking lot, put on a new uniform, and played a match.
0: That's fantastic. Got to win,
1: too. Got to win. And I never beat St. Francis. And I know their coach was looking at me funny, because I think he (laughs) recognized me from previous four years. But needless to say, we're going to keep that on the DL. I think it's too late for that. um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was one of my best wins.
0: That is fantastic. Um, I love it. I've, uh, I mean... I, I think at, at, at some point or another, everybody in sports is kind of, you know, pulled a, pulled a little fast one. I know for me and, uh, yeah, whatever. I know early on in my career, we, when I was coaching bowling, uh, this was way back. This was back in the park school. We, uh, we, um, it was a five man, five man team that you had to go. And we, but you could bowl with as little as three bowlers. Um, we only had, I think, six kids on the team. I was down to where we were, we had a match, um, and again, we were not very good. This is our first year in the league. I, I think we won maybe um, two or three matches all year long. So I was down to where I only had two bowlers. So it was kind of like, all right, you know, can you make it to Transit Lanes at three <laughs> thirty? Um, I'll be there. It's, it's, you're on our, you're on our emergency roster or, or something like that. So Should've called
1: me, I would have gotten 80,
0: <laughs> maybe one strike. Well, as my first year of coaching, like it, we had just started the team. The only reason we started the team is because I had three or four students that, you know, um, we want to start a bowling team. We want to start a bowling team. Can you like, all right, let's, so we went to the AD, we started a bowling team. We got in the Monsignor Martin league, um, uh, bowling team and i remember the first day of practice you know i it was one of those leagues where i'm driving the bus those one of the little short buses so i'm driving the bus over to transit lanes and the kids are telling me like oh you know i'm a 180 average i'm a 190 average one kid's like i'm a 200 i'm like all right we're going to have a pretty darn good team they're talking about their weight no <laughs> the one kid he goes up nobody the first game nobody bowled higher than a 75
1: oh my god like
0: where's that like where is the 180 Oh no! That's all our. That's all our three games combined. Oh, like, that's that, saying something. That, no. That's that's not an average. That is not an average. That's a total score. That's a series. That's not an average. But <laughs> so we we. Needless to say, we had some uh, we had some work to do that year. And you switched to coaching swimming and diving. <laughs> no, no. This was after <laughs> swimming and diving. You better. <laughs> <laughs> swimming and diving. Ooh, that was that was rough. That was me getting on the diving board. And showing a kid how to dive, and which resulted in me doing a belly flop. Excellent. I had no business being on a diving board at all. I still have no business being on a diving board at all. But let, I, I, I digress on that. So um, we're going to switch a little bit from tennis here to uh, your hockey days. Um, now I you know you were you were a hockey goaltender. Yes, um, yes. Now that was ice hockey, and I know you 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 still play floor at all, or haven't haven't in a while.
1: It was a mixture of all hockey's. I mean, it's got the 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 start of it was always in the street, you know, and then <laughs> dabbled with the roller, figuring out that roller is different than the ice. You know, you don't slide on those rollerblades; you break ankles. <laughs> I was gonna say that's gonna hurt, but yeah, it was just a hodgepodge. Nothing, no big commitments. It was just.
0: You play when you can, and uh what made you want to play goal though like did you did you ever did you ever play on on the um like outside of the goal, or were you always were you always the goaltender
1: I was just ridiculously awkward, and I figured that staying in one place was the best for me <laughs> you know, i mean I can absorb pucks and i'm not i'm not that not that shy when it comes to uh taking a beating so yeah. I just found it naturally uh, more appealing playing goalie.
0: I say, plus you were always the kid with the pads. So whoever's got the pads has got to play goal. That's right. Even though they were uh, right-handed kids'
1: pads, I learned how to play right-handed. Even though I'm lefty, did you really? Yeah, yeah. You play what's <laughs> with,
0: with what's available. I love it. Um, now, Matt, I know you played goal too. Did you ever play the hockey hockey route too, or were you just strictly strictly soccer in that? Man, I played like
3: roller hockey in the
0: street. But were you were you the goaltender though, or did you like play out on the on the field, ice rink.
3: Out on the field, a
0: field. Rink ice.
3: I I I was not in goal. <laughs>
0: we'll put it that way. <laughs> Let's just say that. Uh, Rob, though, did you find? I think that's why we, uh, Mark and I, kind of really talked to him. About, like, dude, we need a goaltender uh, for soccer. Like, just come out and play. Um, did you like? What What do you? What did you see? Was the biggest. Transition did or was there anything that carried over from hockey to soccer playing goal?
1: I think the biggest problem was going to
0: a net that was like what twenty four feet. By <laughs> I was going to say like <laughs> like almost three times four times the size. Yeah,
1: so the angles are different, at least. but the concept of cutting off an angle was the same. That was an easy transition. Uh The balls that were shot directly at me at soccer, I would find myself dropping into the butterfly position and doing kick saves
2: every <laughs> once in a while. That.
0: But they were that. effective. Don't lie. No, absolutely. <laughs> um, and it's funny. I mean, Matt, you would know this even in a soccer game. Average average uh, soccer game. How many shots do you think a goaltender is facing? Uh, maybe 10, 15. Rob, how many how many shots were you? Be honest. How many shots per game in high school were you facing?
1: I know this answer because I tracked it. Forty two.
0: oh it wasn't just
3: like kind of just standing there and watching them go like
0: like i said especially rob's year um i played all four years and my my freshman year my sophomore year we had we had some some decent athletes some decent talent we still didn't win a damn game
1: let me cut you off real quick Uh oh they scored no goals that's why all the shots were in my end we, uh, we scored one goal, and it was on a penalty kick, <laughs>
0: and I think Jared scored it. <laughs> I scored no goals all my four years. I all my goals scored were in my travel leagues. Um, yeah, we were pretty bad. By the time by the time we got to senior our senior year, um, outside of goal, the only actual soccer players we had on our team were myself, uh, Mark, who tennis was his bigger sport, but he at least knew how to play soccer. Um, Jared may, uh,
1: I just remember that might be it. Mark Zoda was the fullback and was always clearing the space for me. I always appreciated that. (laughs) Mark Zoda. I love that
0: kid. Um, he just didn't care. He would plow people for me. He would just say, get out of my goalie's way. I was going to say, I forgot it. Zoda was, Zoda was another soccer player, but yeah, he was just, I think he, he loved the contact. Like, he he was going in for a 50-50 ball. He'd go in legally, but he'd go in not only knowing that he was going to get hit or hit somebody, but, like, loving the fact that he was going to plow somebody over.
1: Well, so did I. You remember what I would do on those rainy days? Oh, yeah. I would charge out and do the slip and slide and try not to get red cards. <laughs> well, my, my, that season was short. Uh, I broke my hand. Remember that TV game? Yeah, that was against Wheatfield, wasn't it? It was against Wheatfield. I remember making a diving save and laying there with the ball in my hand. I think it was an own team member that plowed my wrist and just took a chunk out of it. It wasn't me that time, I I promise. It was Derek DeFazio. I'm not mad. (laughs) (laughs) But I just remember my thumb hanging there, and I still stayed in the game. And I remember watching the commentary back. I think it was Art Eberhardt. I was going to say, I don't
0: think I've ever remembered seeing those games. I
1: saw the game because he was like, that goalie can't catch. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, because my thumb is hanging down. And then I remember going to the sideline when the whistle blew. And uh, I think it was the assistant coach. um, I forget his last name. Tirabasi.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: He said, no, 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 no. I remember who it was. It was Jeff Showers. He said, Rob, come shake my hand. I'm like, okay. So I gave him my four fingers and left my thumb there and I squeezed with my four fingers. He's like now with your thumb and I was like, I can't move it. He's like, you're out of the game. Get out. (laughs) I remember telling him that story not too long ago at a Sabres game. It was pretty funny.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we were, we were totally by that, by the time our senior year got there, we were totally depressed of like of soccer talent and it, Rob, I don't know if you heard the story, but it, Pissed me off, because especially me, four years of soccer, not a single win. The year after we graduated, so this would have been the class of 99. Oh, they got a win. They got a, not only that, but they started the season with a win. So they were technically, at one point, undefeated. I was so, mm, I was not happy. I, was, I mean, good for them that they won, but still.
1: Mm. I was okay with it, because usually goalies have the worst time in a game, because they're standing there for maybe 92 seven percent of the game all the action was down oh line. yeah and I was just diving around having a fun time except for when uh
0: Grand Island dropped 12 on me with a bicycle kick for the number twelve goal you know, yeah I was not a fan that of Grand was Island crazy no I remember I was especially that year I played center mid but I mean Jesus I might as well have been center defender I mean I was I, I was jam-packed in our end just because the only game especially when we would play against Wheatfield Grand Island Leuport um, when we played against NT, we'd get, we still didn't get a win, but the, the goal, the games were only maybe, I don't know, three or four, maybe five, five nothing. nothing, six, nothing. Maybe. Um, I
1: think I averaged like six goals a game, but that again, percentage was on point though out of 42 <laughs> shots. <right? laughs>
0: I'm telling you, I, I, I didn't realize it was that high, but it, that was bad. it, it was probably, I thought maybe even higher, could have been even higher, but it was awful. All my you fans, were getting peppered. all my
1: fans were tallying the shots and they needed new pieces of paper and had to sharpen their pencils a couple times. But
0: yeah, we were we were not good. And it's it's that was the year, too, especially like if you if we would have combined, which a lot of schools are now not necessarily with soccer, but um, you get like some track and field programs, uh, some lacrosse programs uh, that'll combine schools. If we would have combined with us and LaSalle, we would have had a, especially that year, we would have had a very good team. Because I played, that's where I played my travel. I yeah, played so my I travel to the capel.
1: All the travel players. Yeah, I remember that. And I just remember getting a, another injury, you know, and remember Bob Francus, remember him? The Polish kid? Oh, yeah. He he lit me up from about five feet away, right in the nose. Ugh. And I just got up again and got hit again, repeatedly. It was just, it was fun. I, I, I'm not going to say it wasn't, but that where you, you can't smell anything and your nose feels like it's running. Yeah, that's yep. Those are, those are moments to forget, but otherwise it was a good time.
0: Well, I remember when you, um, I think it was the next game that you, after your injury where you couldn't play, I think Mark ended up going in net, I think, and I'm pretty sure it was against LaSalle. Um, he caught the ball. Like he made the save, caught the ball, but he was holding on to the goal post. I don't know if you remember this. And he slid backwards goal. off the goal post. <laughs> With the ball in his hand, and fell into the. Net. <laughs> I would never have done that. <laughs> I just remember it was slow, it was one of those slow motion fallbacks. I just I I might have even yelled it out like, "Throw the ball, throw just throw it." Because at that point, um, we were only down, I don't know, maybe one or two. It was kind of late in the game. I think it it was against LaSalle, and I'm pretty sure, uh, Roger Carroll, their coach, was was resting some of their players. So it was it was. For us, close, and I'm just, just just throw the ball, just throw it, and he slow motion fell back into the net, holding it.
1: It must have been all that pregame meal we used to have. I remember oh, Mark. I, I heard
0: Mark mention the Frosties that we used to eat on the way to those games. I don't know if you remember this either. I think I goofed on Mark for this. He'd be the only kid that before a game, before a game. He would have to go home, shower, comb his hair, get ready, put the gel in before
1: that is accurate
0: before he's getting ready to like to play a game. Like I might do that stuff afterwards, although I don't have any hair to comb now, but he's he's like getting ready, like putting on, you know, cologne. Like, dude, what Are, are you dating one of the opposing players? Like, what are you what are you doing? Mark always was pretty. Still is. <laughs> I was going to say, still is. But we still love them anyway. Oh, absolutely. Nothing but love for you, Mark. Um, I still will beat you in tennis. <laughs> I'm telling you, we Let's listen, go. Matt, that might be our next pod we're gonna do a live podcast while these two are playing on the on, go on go. Greedy Acres Court so over there. We can do like a color commentary. Absolutely. We have lights too, we can play at night. I was gonna say, you got the lights there, dude. Listen, we're 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 definitely on that.
3: I know absolutely nothing about tennis, but I can't. All can you have, have to do is manager.
0: be impressed by my great play. <laughs> <laughs> and but, vindictive forehands. I was back gonna say time. the backhand. Oh, I'm I'm loving it. And um, speaking of that, uh, we had quite the uh, the the video game rivalries back in the day. Whether it was Bond, whether it was you and uh, Lord, those games, whether it was you and NHL. Uh, Matt, you know how in certain video games, like you, there's there's like a cheat. More, so, I guess the the, the newer there's video games but there was like a glitch where you could exploit that glitch and score a goal, whatever. Um, there, I think they're, they're wiping them out a little bit more and more each year in the newer games. Yes. Or is it getting harder? There's always a glitch. There's always a glitch.
3: Like in Madden, there's always a play that the defenders can't defend. Period.
0: Rob would find that glitch in NHL games within the first, like, I don't know what, what did it take you, maybe two, three games of playing. And Rob would exploit that glitch over, And over multiple times, and over, it was to the point. What was it? The 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 World or the Electric Slide? That the the, the, the Electric (laughs) Slide
1: definitely evolved into the Tilta World. Mark perfected the Tilta World with Patrice Bergeron. I guess he's still playing, by the way, which is amazing for the for the Bruins.
0: I was gonna say, how old is that that man?
1: He's got to be pushing forty. But I used to always play with the Sabers, and Jeff Sanderson was super fast. And uh, you carry the puck down the left side. You hit you hit that blue line, and then you just do this toe drag that goes from one end to the rink, rink to the other side of the goalie. The goalie's frozen, and all you got is the top shelf. And it just looked like the perfect slide. You're sliding for 35 feet, and you put it in the top shelf, and it worked every single time. And then you would drop the controller and do the... Do you remember the electric slide celebration from Ernest Gibbons on the old Houston Oilers team? <laughs> you don't know what the Oilers are. <laughs> but you would drop it, you'd slide, and then you'd do like you like you got electrocuted, and you'd spin the controllers.
0: And you're like, yeah, even though that move was so cheap and tacky. Not only that, but... It wasn't even the fact that the goaltender couldn't make the save. Half the time, they wouldn't even let the defender check
1: you. You were trying to body check, and you just slide, and you're like... You slid with them. And the cameras were going... Ch-ch-ch-ch-ch. And then there was the express slide. If you had an even faster player, you'd do it like right in front of the net. It would be like toe drag, up, in. And then the tilt world came. <laughs> if you accidentally hit the slap shot button, you'd just do this crazy... Parawet, and all of a sudden you unleash a sh- slap shot. Mark was good at that one, top shelf every time.
0: It was to the point where anytime we would like, we would have NHL tournaments or whatever in these games, and we had the ban. We we tried banning the electric slide. Well, that's
1: where the variations came. The express slide. I mean, that the, wasn't the, that wasn't the electric slide. That was on the backhand. I did it.
0: Oh, uh, it
1: was. That was just a regular deke, Larry. <laughs> you, I still. Why are you so mad? <laughs>
0: I never got mad playing video games, did no, I? never, never. <laughs> Not once. Dude,
2: uh, I'm going home.
1: That's I, why uh, if you look at what your name is in my phone right now, I forgot what your name was because it's First Quarter Rage Quit. <laughs> that's how upset you were. during uh, I
0: mean, event including video games. Uh, I'm telling you, that was, yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, hey, this Bill's season, I got better.
1: You did. You, actually, <laughs> there's
0: times where you dropped
1: off the face of the earth. You ghosted our tech stream. And I was like, was it because I called you out for being mad in the first quarter? Because you called out Brian Dable for a screen pass? Come on,
0: <laughs> Larry. It's the first quarter. I just got, I was, it Give was, him a chance. no, who got it, who got me mad, who kept getting me mad was. Cadella, Rich Cadella, he would just, I would make one, just any, I think
1: it was Paul, Paul is worse,
0: no, Paul, okay. Paul and I always had our back, but I would just make one comment and Rich would be like, Larry, what do you, like?" just <laughs> Rich, I love you, but um, that's why I was like, you know what, after, after not this past season, but the season before that, I was like, you know what, I, I, I just. Let me let me back off a little bit. See, but... you
1: and Paul would get mad and then I'd get mad that you guys got mad and then I'm like I'm muting the stream. <laughs> I can't deal with this anymore.
0: Paul, I would watch Paul's comments. Paul Paul I think quit more Paul would Paul was a premature quitter before me. Like I think Paul, Paul would has started to do it on purpose to I I was going to say I think Paul does it on purpose to piss off his brother Rich. Accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I would usually I there were times I would get Pissed off in the first quarter, but I would usually save mine till like the third quarter, especially if it was like really bad. And then but, we're all
1: mad at you, You're like, oh, give them the chance. They're gonna beat the Jags, and we're like, oh, maybe not.
0: <laughs> yeah, oof, that was that was a bad, bad game. That was game. that was awful. But um, I still remember speaking of raging during video games. I remember I went. We Rob, Mark, Meach. We were we were roommates at Canisius uh, freshman year, and I remember. Um, I went home for a weekend and I come back and I've got a notice from our RA saying that I needed to, I was being fined and I was, I, I needed to go down and see, uh, the, the resident director because a exit sign got broken. Um, and
1: probably I, because of that hard oatmeal that you left.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's another one from beach, but, um, I have to have that podcast later, I'm I'm looking, I'm like, and they gave the date, and I'm like, I, I wasn't here. I was like, how am I, how am I, getting written up for like a broken exit sign? Come to find, and I, I went down and, and explained my case to the RA, and I think I, I, I forgot what I, I, I brought a note or something or showed or had proof that I wasn't there that weekend. Um, and uh, come to find out, it was wasn't it you and Mark or somebody was playing, somebody was playing. Uh, hockey in the hallway and took a slap shot and broke the exit sign. I don't recall those events, (laughs) (laughs) but, or, or I do, but I don't right now, but I was, I was upset about that. And then, yeah, the, uh, the oatmeal, our other buddy, uh, Christopher Mitro, we lived in the, it it was Robin, Robin, Mark had one side of the dorm. Um, myself and Meach had the other side and then we had the common area in between us. Um over at Bosch Hall. And um me... Let's just cut to the chase. You didn't do
1: your dishes. I, I, I didn't hide them and you got caught.
0: Well, they weren't even my dishes. They were Mitro's dishes. Which made it even better. Which made it even better. And Mitro just got done um the previous day telling me clean up your dishes or else. Like I'm tired of you leaving your dishes, leaving your breakfast. I'd always eat oatmeal. Tired of you leaving your breakfast dishes. So sure enough that day I was running late, got done eating my breakfast. I was like, I can't. So I put the oatmeal bowl in my closet, like in one of my closet drawers. For days? No, it was only there. All right, maybe two days, I guess. So I, Mitro had just come back and I tried to sneak out the oatmeal bowl. So I took it out of my drawer and I like kind of put it under my, like towards under my shirt or whatever. And I tried to sneak it out. He saw it. He chased me down the hallway. Thank goodness I'm faster than Mitro, and um, Broke yeah, the exit sign. I, <laughs> the, the exit sign was still intact. <laughs> and then I remember when Mitro, oh, you're lucky you shut the door in time because you were you and Mark were gunning those little peach, those little peach flavored uh, uh, Jolly, Ranch Jolly Ranchers, Ranchers at our door, With slingshots. And oh yeah, <laughs> and Mitro, I'd never seen that man. He he did like a 440 like. 50 yard. I mean, he's sprinting. You guys closed the door just in time, or oof. and now I have his daughter in my class. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I was gonna say, you've had you've had both of or you've had you had uh, his son last year, two years ago.
1: Uh last year, and I have his daughter now, and I'm primed to get the last one. I was gonna say years. you'll
0: you'll do the hat trick with the metro. The yes. metros. Fun times. I love it. All right. Uh, it is that time. Let's get into our hot seat questions. Wait, so,
1: I didn't sign up for the hot seat. Oh,
0: this is the hot seat. We're we're turning up the hot seat, Rob.
1: It's a little warm over here.
0: In fact, we, I don't know if you if you've listened to the podcast where we've changed the hot seat a little bit. So not only do Matt and I come up with questions, but we have our guests come up with a question or two. Oh, I'm prepared. So, unprepared. so it, right. hey, listen. You know, thinking, you know, as I'm a thinking. coach, as I'm a thinking. teacher, I'm sure, I'm sure, a creative educator like you can come up with a question or two. I'm on it. Alright, so I'm gonna start it off. I know uh you're a big Sabres fan. Um, question number one favorite Saber of all time? Favorite Buffalo Saber player of all time.
1: Wow, that's tough. Uh I am gonna go with um I'm gonna go with number eighty nine McGilney. Okay. Any reason why? I'm going to go with him because he just lit up that 93 season with 76 goals. Like, every game you expected him to score. Not only one goal, but sometimes a hat trick. He had multiple hat tricks that year. And I just remember just every time he was on the ice, I expected something good to happen. And that was in the formative years of my uh, fanhood there, you know, the early 90s. Um, They were always losing in the first round to the Bruins, of course. Um, I was going to say... Not not that
0: May Day year. Not right, the May Day I, year.
1: But I do have his jersey hanging up in my classroom, and it's funny because a boy came into my room yesterday rocking a brand-new Alex Tuck jersey, and he was just looking at that one, looking at mine, looking at his, and I said, you want to swap?
0: <laughs> He's like,
1: you'll stretch mine out I'm like, I'm not that big
0: <laughs> I was going to say, how many This is a little off track here, but how many jerseys At one point, I know you've sold some of them at the, at the height of your jersey days How many jerseys did you have, do you remember?
1: This is still raw for me For having to sell them And uh, I had over 120 hockey jerseys And they were nice quality, but I had to sell them To pay for you know painting a tennis court for $7,000 <laughs> But I did with that, um, that a uh, hundred or so jerseys did make that money.
0: I was gonna say you know,
1: it's funny. The weirdest ones got the money. Oh yeah, the one that I sold that got the most money were two of them: a red, a Finnegan off jersey. Really fetched over two hundred bucks. And then the one that I got the most money for was you remember when the Islanders had the old fisherman? Oh yeah, those were ugly. Jersey? It was blank. I had one. I just bought it for collector's purposes. Someone spent $300 on that thing off me. They didn't even have a name or cust- no, no customization on it. Really? I always thought that was one of the ugliest hockey jerseys oh, ever. Rough. And I had six McGillney jerseys, right? I kept the <laughs> Sabres one, but I had one for every team he's played for. I had this beautiful Canucks one with their alternate jersey. It had like a three tone jersey. The numbers were yeah. silver. And I had an authentic one like that that I probably bought for $300 i only got 70 dollars for that one my, oh. i was like packing it up and crying i'm like this is this is so unfair <laughs> all these authentic jerseys that i had that were selling for 30 or 40 bucks on ebay and they wanted the finnegan off for 200 i mean no for no right i think i think they all averaged out to be a decent fetch for those and it was i had a little sweatshop going i had a post office you know one of my bedrooms is Designated for printing labels and boxes and things like that, but I, <laughs> in a two weeks span, I got rid of a hundred jerseys and made seven k. I
0: was gonna say he had like just it was ridiculous. Like Rob, I, you I got had this...
1: football jerseys in there that I sold too. I had like a Rocket Ishmael Cowboys
0: jersey. You, Right. Oh yeah, random ones like we see up here.
1: I can't believe there's a Jay Cutler jersey in here. But
0: I was gonna say Matt, yeah, our, our boy that. Matt, has a, a lot of random jerseys up here. I love it. Uh, I've been scoping them out. Oh, I was gonna say I I knew you'd appreciate that. I knew you'd appreciate he that.
3: Buys them for cheap though. Yeah,
0: yeah th-
1: these are these are the we shall say.
0: The Dh ones that gates come from Asia. Yeah. Dh gates. Yes, yes. I love it. Hey, I've got a couple of those Bills ones. I'm I'm happy with they them.
1: They Look good. But now that the Bills are good, I might invest in a legit real one from the Bills. There. I was gonna say. I was thinking of that too. You know, a nice Josh Allen. Absolutely. Absolutely. But when the Bills are bad, I'd get these twenty dollars <laughs> ones all day long.
0: Oh, for sure. The One from Walmart. Yep.
1: <laughs> just like the shirt. The
3: just the shirt that says
0: Josh like Allen. The one
3: that says Buffalo on it. Yeah. <laughs> Bill.
0: All right, Matt. Favorite saber of all time.
3: I was gonna say maximum Finnegan off.
0: I I,
1: I I can appreciate that. I he did. was
3: exciting. I, he was cool. I I loved him. I don't know why. Was I was I was a little kid, obviously, when he played for us, but I, I loved his name. and I thought he was just like he was like my favorite player when I saw him, just like skating around the ice.
0: Tons of giveaways though. A yeah, of, yeah. He was not he was not uh, responsible on his own end. I think so. Lindy Ruff hated him to be honest. I think so, but he was man, he With was that Selly too in
1: that overtime game. Remember that? Yeah. that playoff game where he just ran and slid. That was that was Sally, yeah.
0: I love that one. The the Drury one where he tied it and then Fenneganoff wins it in overtime. Love it. That was a that was a classic. <laughs> I love it. I'm I'm hoping the Sabres are hopefully heading towards those those days again very soon. My favorite player though, I'm gonna go another old one, uh Dave Anderchuk. Okay. Oh. I loved Anderchuk. He again not the most skilled player, not the most talented, but man would he i think he was the king of the garbage goals yeah. he would park trash, his trash butt man. right in front of the goaltender and just pick up a rebound, get a tip here, a tip Our there goal's a goal a goal's a goal i mean he was he would not only that he would take a beating in front of the net, and you still weren't getting him out and this was back in the day where you know the goaltenders would you know spear chuck slash. They, they'd they let that stuff go, and he still didn't care, was a big guy, would park his big butt there and just, hey, you you do what you got to do. If I can screen him, even if I don't score, I'm going to help you score. Just Dave Andertruck, I think you just got to respect a player like that.
1: Yeah, good so, call. Good call on those players.
0: And not only that, I liked him the second stint that he was with the Sabres too. Yeah, number 52. Yep. <laughs> did the old the old number switcheroo. I did not own that jersey. You didn't have a 52? Did you have a 25, Andertruck, though? I did not. Really,
1: no, I think my most the original jersey I had was a Pierre Turgeon jersey seventy seven okay, and then there's a couple homemade ones I used to rock <laughs> <laughs> I got the paints out, you know white t shirt <laughs> I love it. I'll share
0: that picture with you. I got a lot of bills ones too. I was gonna say you definitely gotta said those all right, question two, Matt, you got one? Uh, I'm nervous. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, All right, weirdest, weirdest, like, thing a person's ever asked you. Like, just in your life.
1: Weirdest thing.
3: Like, just even a stranger hmm. just comes up to you and asks you.
1: Larry, you go first while I
0: think about this one. Hmm. Uh, weirdest thing somebody's ever asked me. Um, all right, I don't know if this is weird. I guess it's weird, rude, whatever you want to call it. When I was teaching in Baltimore, um... This would have been back in 2005, 2004 or five. I was teaching a year in Baltimore. One of the secretaries is having a conversation, and at the end of the conversation, and she she asked me, she's like, I'm just curious, at what age um, did it start happening? And I'm like, "At, at what age did what start happening? She's like, at what age did you start losing your hair? And <laughs> um, I think I was 25 at the time. No, that, I think you started losing it in 7th grade. Not 7th grade. I made it to high school.
1: Well, after you put that perm
2: <laughs> in hair, that kind of killed
0: yourself. Uh, that was 10th grade. That was 11th grade? 10th tenth grade. 10th grade. Um, but I think I just kind of shook it off like, oh, after college. But I, was, I just thought that was the weirdest, rudest. How, like, how
3: rude. <laughs> I don't even know you.
0: And I, I that was I, – I wasn't – at that point, I wasn't completely shaving it. I was still – I didn't have the George Costanza, but sort
3: we of, the
0: sort of like the George Costanza. Uh, but I was just like, like, really? How, how do you ask somebody? At what age did you start losing your hair? Like, so I, I, I thought that was uh, that one came to mind. I'll say that was the the weirdest yeah, or rudest really question, just out, just out of nowhere. So that that's my answer. Me. Rob, you got one?
1: I don't know if I have one that's quite like that, and that maybe I just don't <laughs> pay attention to weirdness, but. I think one of the weirdest things that happened in the classroom, I was just wearing this, you know, ugly sweater that had cats on it, you know. You know, who doesn't like a ugly cat sweater, right? Oh, absolutely. But, but I would, I didn't have a sweater for ugly sweater day, so I asked one of my female colleagues for one and it was like a size medium and I was like trying to squeeze into Uh-oh. it so <laughs> it showed like my muscles and everything. Not really. But um one of the kids came up to me and said, Can I get that shirt? And I looked at this kid like are you really asking me for this sweater? <laughs> and I looked at the kid again, and I think they really were serious. So hoisted it off and said, here you go, enjoy. It does not fit me. It fit you a lot better. So it's definitely a strange thing for a kid just to come up and ask for your sweater. So I guess that's weird. I
2: was going to say, yeah, yeah. I
0: definitely weird, but like, uh, can, I, can I get that?
1: And they were, like, wearing it on, like, non-Christmas days. You know, it was February, and the cat sweater came out. It had like garland on it and weird stuff and Santa hats and things like that. So like, maybe it was a, a nice gesture by me, but absolutely, it was definitely weird. I,
3: like, that kid had some guts with him just like coming up to somebody's like, I want what you have. Can I have that?
1: You have to admire the confidence, though. I mean, hey, these absolutely. Are tucked in their DS and their phones and their devices, but one who knows what they want, maybe they're going to go somewhere. In You're life. going
3: somewhere. You're gonna. You ask what you take what you need. Do you hey, want
1: to play tennis in two
0: years? <laughs> can I
3: have this only if you play for me? Too. <laughs> I was say,
0: We're actively recruiting from the fifth grade class. I'll, hey, start them young. Start them young. Matt, weirdest question somebody I, asked I, you.
3: I thought of this question on my way here because I forgot the story I was going to say last week about that lady who asked me to help her when I worked in retail once and uh, she came up to me and she's like, well actually I was in the team sports area for Dick Sporting Goods and uh, I was in the break room and I, over the walkie I was like, Matt, you're needed. And I walk over and this girl, this lady she was probably about 55 or you know, 55 and she was like, I'm looking for like a jock strap. And I was like, oh for your son? And, and she's like, no. <laughs> and I was just like for your husband and she's like yeah i was like oh, okay like what sports do he play i was like because you play like softball like and she's like you know he doesn't play sports it's <laughs> like okay that's definitely interesting <laughs> that's <laughs> and she decided to... planning on kicking
0: him <laughs> I was gonna say, honey put this on for a minute oh, i want to do a science experiment I
3: instantly i was just like okay i was like i, I was just like well
0: what, what what
3: do you have in mind? <laughs> like, I, I wasn't going to... And she was like, well, it's for Halloween. And I was like, oh, is he going as, like, a football player? She's like, no, he's going... as was like... I, she told me the name and I don't remember if she was, like, some kind of, like, like singer or, like, rock star or
1: something. And she's like... Oh, The weekend. Remember he had the strap helmets or the over their head at the Super Bowl? Was that it? <laughs> no.
3: I, that would have made, remember, that made too much sense. <laughs> she, she she was like, he he has to show that he... I don't know how to say this. Show that he has something to to be proud of, but he doesn't. So we're getting this as, like, a costume. And I'm just like, okay.
0: This is getting weirder as you talk. I was gonna say, that puts a whole new spin on Dick Sporting Goods over there. And,
3: and so basically, I was just like, here you go. And she's like, does this come with the underwear? And I was just like... Yeah, and she's like, "Awesome. Do you sell wife beaters here too?" <laughs> I was like, there's a Walmart
0: down the road. Like, is there a hidden camera? But like it might be it might be in set up here. Might be a her
3: And they asked me I was like, "What was she looking for?" I was like, "Apparently, she wants to be prouder <laughs> of her
1: husband." <laughs> Interesting.
3: And uh that's when I realized retail is not for me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> will wait till you have Young students in elementary school asking you for your sweaters. I can't <laughs> I wait. Say.
0: I can't wait. I hope they don't ask for your jock strap. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get weird. In, in a hurry. Uh-huh. All right, Rob, did you come up with your question yet or do you still, you still need yeah, a little time? I have one that's more directed toward you, but I can modify it. All right, well, what, what you got? Uh oh, right, this Larry, should be good. So, um, uh oh.
1: You have to take some money out to dinner in Niagara Falls. Which restaurant are you choosing?
2: Ooh. That's
1: a good one. Ooh. I already
0: know my answer. Are we talking Niagara Falls now or back in the day, Niagara Falls? Or a place I, or that's any Still ta- open. That's still nostalgic,
1: open. That you know you got to take them because it's the taste of Niagara Falls. You got to take them there.
0: Ooh. Where, where are you going? Oh, man. Um,. Rob, do you have an answer for this? Well, I think, I or an you have an answer, man. Oh, what, can, you can handle All it right. Hand what hand do hand you hand
3: got? Hand I was going to say Peter Gourmet in the outlet mall.
0: Stop. <laughs> 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 this is because Megan made me go <laughs> to get her food. Megan sent you out on, on errands. I love it. I love she, love bought
3: it. Me, she bought me lunch, too. But it's
0: kind of like a I'll buy you fly basically. type of deal. Ooh, if I'm taking somebody out. Can we go back in the day friendlies <laughs> <laughs> or not friendlies oh, that, Perkins, 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 Perkins? I, Perkins? I little Suskins, Perkins. Perkins.
1: Oh man. Suskins. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. You, can, you can, I don't know. <laughs> I want to disqualify you
0: on that one. That's all right. That you came in cold on that one. That, all right, well, we'll, let's see. Perkins uh, was awesome.
1: Um, I got a rescue you on this. How about La
0: Hacienda Pizza? Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, right yeah. next door to Michael's. Those I was going to say two. right next to Michael's. Yes. Those are uh, two well, staples that I miss from living on Pine Avenue. I've never been to the to the new La Hacienda with the new ownership. Is it is the pizza just as good? Identical. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Yes. Then we'll go La Hacienda. With Michael's next door. I, I mm. Okay. <laughs>
1: Larry, Larry is ready to go. He's Let's already go. got his wallet in his pocket.
0: Hey, we can be there in 15, 20 minutes. I'm good for okay. a slice. I don't think they sell root beer, though. <laughs> you're, you're out of luck. Oh, everybody sells A&W, baby. Everybody sells it. All right. Rob, is that your answer? or? or?
1: Oh, I, I, Yeah, and I think I have another question for you.
0: Oh, oh, all right. Rob's coming up, too. So number four. Rob, what you got for us? So you dabbled in comedy, right? I did. I did. I did my, uh, my stand-up comedy at Helium. Matt's looking at me like, holy crap, you did?
1: You didn't Wait. know that? I, I did. did stand-up?
0: I did like two or three open mic nights, and then I did uh, one or two of their funniest, comic, uh, funniest comics um, uh, contests yeah
3: when <laughs> why did i not know this
1: it's the not, open mic nobody mic. knew about it until the last minute till it's already over so <laughs> yeah my, my question revolves around that all
0: right. all right all right so yeah this i think the last one i did would have been um last summer or two summers no ago? way last summer i think i did one yeah
3: Well clearly it wasn't that good because oh
0: no um, but yeah, I think I was on stage in total contests and open mic nights. I think maybe f- f- I don't know five to seven times somewhere around there. So I, it, it was. I, I'd say I'd say I'm better at my podcast than my my stand up comedy. <laughs> but all right, all right Rob that might ruin the question though. Ooh, all ooh. right, so
1: my question to you is: What would you prefer? Uh, what's more exhilarating, laughter from your comedy from the audience or cheering from an athletic event? That either you participated in or your favorite team, what would be more exhilarating Ooh. What would make you feel the best? Ooh. That's a tough one.
0: Good question. That is hot. Uh, good question. I kind of thought about that one last night. I lied. <laughs> <laughs> um, stand-up comedy was, it was, uh, I thought the first, the best response I got from an audience was my first, my first time doing it at the open mic. Um, I, I. Got a lot of laughs. I got a good response. I felt comfortable out there.
1: That's got to feel good because I don't think I would ever be successful at stand up. And getting an audience to feel you and laugh has to be hard. So I'm wondering the, comp- the 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 you know the difference between or if it's similar to the cheers that you would get from an athletic event.
0: Oh yeah, it's definitely similar. And now, don't get me wrong. There was there was a few sets where I got. A- <laughs> the first the first one um I think I did three contests the the comic contest where it was twenty bucks and anybody can do it as long as you signed up um but if you you can move on move on and I think the winner end up is is named the funniest comic and you get like a thousand bucks whatever uh, there were a lot of funny comedians the first one that I did Vicky um went to my wife and apparently I did so bad that even she Didn't let like I got when I say I got zero laughs like I don't even think I got a chuckle that night and you're up there you had to have at least you it had to be anywhere from four to four to six minutes of material for the opening round and I'm not gonna lie that was the longest Four minutes of my life. Like I'm up there and I knew from like the, fr- I forgot what the first joke or comment I made was. And I thought I was expecting, like, you know, how sometimes you tell a joke and you're expecting like people to laugh or whatever. And I got nothing. And that from that point on, I'm like, Oh no, this is going to suck. And so it was, I got crushed, but, um, it's a different, it is a different feeling. Cause when you're in an athletic event, I I just felt more comfortable playing sports, playing soccer. Um so as much as I as much as I loved getting the 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 athletic cheers and stuff from an athlete from a soccer game in particular, I'd say it felt better getting them from a comedy standpoint because it's hard. It's harder. <laughs> yeah, you had to work harder at it. Whereas a soccer game, all right, even if if things weren't going well, I knew quick enough to turn things around where as a comedy if it went bad I wasn't good enough or strong enough to turn it around quickly so yeah I'm gonna say it was it felt better getting the laughs from a comedy event or some or just being in in public not doing something you were you were gonna do
1: I wonder if our other guest over here has uh, (laughs) no comment
2: I can't
3: believe you did comedy like I want to know your jokes, but clearly they're not that good. That's another podcast
0: that I was gonna say that that we'll we'll save that one when we get Rob back on for for his second episode when we have when we announce the uh, we announce terms of the Rob and Mark no, rematch no, in we'll, tennis. We'll,
3: we'll use it. We'll use it during the color commentary. You can be like Joe Rogan, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Joe, the,
3: the UFC. You're bald. We have a podcast. He did stand up. Does he, he- still
0: have a podcast? <laughs> mm-hmm. Questionable, questionable. But, mm-hmm.
3: but he did stand up. Like you are Joe Rogan, just not Joe Rogan. I'm not as I'm not as uh, funny as Joe, Joe
1: Rogan. Rog- Rogan, <laughs>
0: Rogan.
3: I'll do I'll do the actual sports analytics, and you're like the comedic relief, like. Chris Collins, I'll just back them like oh oh, <laughs> knock knock no, Larry not now. <laughs> <laughs> wow,
0: that was harsh. <laughs> All right, Matt. Though, what would you expect like from a sporting event? Or we'll, we'll we'll modify the question a little bit from something that you're you're really super comfortable in that you know you're good at, or getting getting cheers or applause from something that you're you're not as comfortable with.
3: I just like getting a response out of people in general. And, you know, I'm willing to do almost anything to get a response, good or bad. Good or bad. Um, I feed off of people's responses of me. So I love I'll, – I'll take that. I'll take – sports, it's kind of like – I feel like it's kind of like fixated towards sports. So, like, you're doing, like, one thing and they're kind of expecting you to do something in that realm. I like the creative feeling or uh, freedom just to, like, I'm going to go do this. And if it hits, it hits. And then, like, and if it doesn't, I like. I love. You taught me this, Larry, um, to basically not have a plan and just wing it. Just wing it, baby. And I was like, all right, if it doesn't hit, I'm instantly going to get them back with something. Else. I'm
0: going to make it hit. I'm yeah. going to make it hit whether they want to or not.
3: And and I tend to hit more than I flop.
0: <laughs> I'd say so. I'd say so. So, Rob, I'm altering this question for you a little bit. I'm going to put you on the spot here. We'll keep the athletic standpoint. So for for you would be from a tennis game um, since you're a pledge Or do you enjoy getting the the reaction from the tennis games or when you do the um, the 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 dance, the dances that you set up with your classes, the uh, the flash mobs? Man, that's
1: harsh because
0: COVID has crushed that you guys can't do that anymore we haven't done it in two years matt rob used to rob how long ago how long ago did you start that he would he would Maybe with these eight years ago with these his classes at the you would do it at the end of the year or you'd 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 rehearse it throughout the year
1: the whole thing was we uh it got started with this is a whole other podcast i want to make it brief <laughs> we'll, we'll keep I it could. short and sweet but so basically we uh there was a kid who was down and the kids wanted the kids in my class were like you eh, let's do something nice let's let's do some kind of dance for it. I'm like, all right, well, I don't dance, so you're going to have to do it for me or come up with it. So they learned they made this thing up. we made some T-shirts with smile faces on it, and we bought something for the kid and presented it with this flash mob. And then it evolved.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say these are these are awesome, and you've done it blown choreography. Oh, and, I'm telling you, some of these later ones they were fantastic.
1: I begged people for money. So like, <laughs> All right, can you sponsor a kid for thirty bucks? Because we we got to
0: look good now that we uh, have dance moves. You know, they were fantastic. I, I I, I mean, Rob, you did a great job. I know I saw, I've seen, I think like four or five of them where you did fantastic yeah, with Yeah, and
1: it evolved to the kids raising money and getting like mega gifts for the kids who needed something. And they picked kids who really needed things as far as maybe if there was a death in the kid's family or they just were unfortunate living circumstances and they knew it. And they always picked the kid who needed it the most. So if I was to pick that, that would be like the most exhilarating thing over any sport. Beautiful, beautiful. Just the reaction you got from the kid when he realized, "Wow, you guys did all that for me"?
0: And they would have, and it, they would have no idea it was coming.
1: Would no they? idea. And we kept it a secret all year, and it took a full year to learn all these routines and things like that. So, the whole selecting of us kid need took all year too. They narrowed it down, and they always picked the one that we always had in our mind.
0: So it was really funny how that worked out. I was going to say because you would usually do it like what May June time somewhere around there.
1: Last week of school. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. No, I, I've seen. Uh, I know you've posted a number of those videos. I think I've watched like three or four, or four or five of them. They were fantastic. But you guys, you guys haven't been able to do it since no, COVID. We
1: just haven't been able to gather ah, or be close. I mean, I the whole thing say, was the purpose of it is to gather and bring people around. So we haven't been able to do it. But we, we, I have, I have my uh, twenty twenty three revival already in mind.
0: Beautiful. <laughs> well, we won't say anything about that. We'll keep that a secret. But I, 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 I love it. I always thought those were those were the coolest things. All right. Who's got question number five? We need one more. Matt, do you have one? All right. If not, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it uh, tennis themed. Um, Last time we asked Mark, uh, favorite tennis player. This time I'm going to ask you, Rob, your favorite tennis shot, like your favorite, just whether it's a lob, backhand, drop shot, forehand, slice, whatever, favorite Tennis shot in your arsenal?
1: Uh, it's like a one-two punch almost. Okay, so um, being left-handed, I'm always a little bit backwards for people too. So it takes a little getting used to to play someone like me. And when I play a lefty, I feel the same way too. So it's definitely a forehand, always a forehand, just because of the way the ball spins to a righty, it spins obviously slightly different than it would be if a righty's hitting them. So what I like to do is I like to step around it and hit it inside out, so to speak. So if I'm in the right side of the court, I step around step around, and hit it to the left. So the natural body motion, you think it's going to go across your body, across court, then onto the opposite side, but I like to go inside out. So the, it's just basically a guessing game. And I like to do the no look when I do that. So I'm looking <laughs> straight, but I'm opening up my body position at the very last second and directing it. It's almost like an ankle breaker, like a crossover and in a, a basketball. So it's like the no look inside out. They think you're going that way, you go the other direction. It's it's an amazing shot. But then they catch on. You do four or five of those in a row and they think the sixth
0: one's coming and then you just change the direction. Almost and like you, a little
1: and if you have a strong forehand you can
0: dictate a lot with that. I'll say it's almost like a little play action pass in uh play action pass in football.
1: Yeah my, my forehand's a strength, my backhand I use it as we say a shield. It's going to be a defense. It's not going to be offensive at all. But it's just good enough that it won't hurt me.
0: I uh, love least it. I hope it doesn't. <laughs> I love it. Matt, did you dabble in tennis? Only at camp. Only at camp. Do you have a favorite favorite shot, or even just watching tennis? Like the anything, shot that you always anything over the net. <laughs> no, I,
3: uh, like I said, Mike Myers. As much as I don't know his his gauge at. Seeing skill, but he was just like, You always play good, Matt. Like, I'm like, Thanks. I played a lot of Wii tennis when I was younger. (laughs) I I, I, I can't play tennis, but apparently he thinks I can. But my favorite is just like when you're running up to the net, like after you start like volleying and you run up to the net and you just hit it right down and it like bounces like right off to the side, Just... A little smash. Oh, uh, it's not There's even, no
1: chance to get it back. One of those.
3: Not even, not even a smash. I just run up and flick it down, like just to the side of them. It ruins. It, it ruins them, and it makes me feel kind of like scummy. But I was just <laughs> like, eh.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say, Biden's kind of simple. I always liked the not the smash, but I would like the little uh, the little drop shot. And if it was, it was really the only, I guess, shot I really had in my arsenal where if I hit it like. I would put just an incredible amount of spin on it, but if I hit it correctly, it would like just barely get over the net and like basically kick back into the net. So you had no chance of returning it.
1: Those are horrible shots
0: to hit, Lawrence. I, I was gonna say, but those, I those anger me so much. In <laughs> fact, I think if there was one match, I think it was playing against you, where I hit like four or five in a row and got you like pissed off. Where I think I took just the game. It, like maybe the first and then you just like wrecked me the next like I don't know five six seven like I don't think I took another game from you the rest of the time we played you
1: deserve it. the last 25 years I've learned to counteract that
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Bring it. laughs> you too Mark if you're listening <laughs> All right, well, that's it. Rob, thank you so much for coming out. I hope you enjoyed it. Oh, I had a blast, a pleasure, and it
1: wasn't as scary as I thought it would be.
0: I was going to say, I know you were a little nervous, but listen, it's just a conversation, just all, all fun here. Um, and we're definitely going to have to get you and Mark on because we'll we'll preview your guys' uh, battle at Greedy Acres uh, sometime What's, this summer. What are the numbers on FanDuel on this match? Uh, I got you. I'll, I, I, I think early I'm going to put you at plus, I'm going to say plus 750. I'm going to say plus 750. Okay, so I I I, I don't gamble. (laughs) (laughs) So plus seven fifty. That's what for every ten dollars you win, or every every ten dollars, it's seventy five. Or no,
1: I'm still new at this. I was going to say know that if I win, I I can I can make you some money. I was going to say. Or no, 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 no! I should be the underdog, right? Because I've always lost. My record against him is ooh, very
0: maybe great. sand or sandbagging it a little bit. I so do that, but sandbagging didn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> you, you're you're not a good tanker. You 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 wouldn't have worked in the, the Sabres tanking year. Too much pride. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Rob, for coming on. Uh, like I said, we're gonna have to get you back on. Um, maybe even at, towards the end of uh, tennis season, where we can t- recap your uh, your tennis season. Uh, how many years is it at Niagara Wheatfield for you?
1: Uh, it's been since 2011, I believe. Okay. So, uh, yeah, coaching, that is. So
0: going on 10, 11 years. Um, so we'll have to have you back on uh, talking about that. Matt, thank you f- again for, for I don't know, coming on this ride, co-pilot, whatever, whatever we call you, um, co-host, co-pilot, co-everything. Um, Make sure you guys check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Stories from the Sidelines. Um, Also, if you have any comments, um, any ideas for interview or for uh, episodes, please let us know. Leave comments. And as always, we'll see you next week for another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines. Go Bills. Go Bills. Go Sabres. (laughs)